Blog Talk Radio. Hi there, I'm Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, and this show is a celebration of baby boomers who are embracing life as we grow older. And we know that if we want to continue to celebrate our lives as we age, we have to be mindful of our health and how we take care of our bodies, and that's why today's show is going to be especially helpful. Our guest, Dr. Ashani Wiraatna, is a recognized by the National Cancer Institute as a top five researcher and was appointed to the National Cancer Advisory Board by President Biden in 2021. Among her other distinguished titles, she is the co-program leader of the Cancer Invasion and Metastasis Program at the Sidney Kimmel Comprehensive Cancer Center, John Hopkins School of Medicine. We are fortunate to have Dr. Wiraatna join us today to share all about her just-released book, Is Cancer Inevitable? It's such an important topic. I know all of you listeners out there are as excited as I am to find out more. So welcome, Dr. Wira Atna. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, I want to start out with this book, which I mentioned we had a little chance to chat before we went on air. I was thinking, oh, Jesus, dry, you know, (laughs) scientific (laughs) journal. It was such a lovely book because it was a combination of both, you know, the hard science and a memoir. So it was a great read. And I love the idea you also shared stories about your your growing up period and your personal experiences (laughs) in the lab, which made a big difference. So why did you choose to write in such a personal way? So um, for me, you know, when I was, it was sort of during the middle of the pandemic and everything just felt very dark and hopeless at the time. And um, I was approached uh, to write this book by the Bloomberg um, Distinguished Professor Program here at Johns Hopkins. And I thought, you know, maybe it's not a bad idea to write a book that gives people hope. So when you're a cancer researcher, one of the questions your family always asks you is, why you know, we never get to see you, you're always working, (laughs) and why don't you have a cure for cancer yet? (laughs) So, um, and so I thought, you know, it's so important to let people know how much hope there is, how far we've come, and how, you know, I work on melanoma, which is an aggressive form of skin cancer, and 10 years ago, someone coming in to the clinic with a stage four melanoma would have very few options. And today they not only have so many options, 25 to 30% were basically whispering the word cure, you know. So I just wanted to send out this message of hope um, to people with this book. Well, it's wonderful. And as a person of a woman of a certain age, I will say, <laughs> also, I, the combination in your background, because you spent not only you know, doing your cancer research and all, but several years at the National Institute on Aging. So when you got your own lab, you were able to direct your own experiments. You found how cancer presents differently in older patients. And I'm going to say one more thing, because I thought this is especially innovative, and that they had been using young mice to do all these experiments. And you thought, hey, let's do old mice. So tell us a little (laughs) bit about that epiphany and how this all worked out. Absolutely. So again, you know, I'm a big believer in what we call the microenvironment, which is basically the neighborhood in which a tumor lives in. And it kind of also um, expanded to my own personal experience because I was in the National Institute on Aging. Everyone around me was working on aging. I was working on cancer. 
And so because of my microenvironment, I was like, well, wait a minute. We know that one of the biggest risk, cancer, risk factors for cancer is aging. You know, um, 90% of cancers are diagnosed after the age of 45 or 50. And um, I thought, well, let me look and see whether there are some interactions between normally aging cells and cancer cells. And that's how we started that work. And I said, you know, what does a cancer do differently in an old mouse than a young mouse? And really that was the genesis of why we started even looking at any of this. And we have found such dramatic differences on so many levels from the normal skin cells um, that are secreting different growth factors that are building different physical structures around the tumor cells and the way the immune cells behave and the way blood cells behave, all of that is impacted by age. Wow, and I, I don't want, again, this is an uplifting conversation, <laughs> but I think we do need to be honest, and I hadn't realized this till I read your book, but I guess a person born in America who's over the age of 60, as I am and my listeners are, most of them, has a 50% chance of being diagnosed with cancer. Now, I've had a few skin cancers, you know, over my lifetime, uh, but this is a little, uh, let's just say, <laughs> sobering <laughs> statistic for uh, baby boomers, um, so uh, tell us a little bit about why that, that happens. So, you know, um, I talk often about the fact that as we age, you know, we weren't supposed to live this long, right? If you think back to the cavemen um, and cavewomen, um, you know, their lifespan was done by the age of 40. And for us as humans, the discovery of antibiotics, um, all of these different things have increased our lifespan, double that. And so the mechanisms that are in place to protect ourselves from becoming cancer cells start to break down with age because, again, evolutionarily, they probably weren't really designed to last that long. Um, and so that's really what we study and what we're trying to understand. Well, and then I've learned a new term. I, I don't know, maybe maybe you decided to make it up while you were doing your cancer research. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Inf inflammaging. I loved it. Because yeah. everybody's all into inflammation these days, but inflammaging. So what is inflammaging? <laughs> so I did not make up the term. <laughs> I wish I could, oh, I wish I could claim credit. <laughs> but uh, inflammaging is basically the sort of chronic low-grade inflammation uh, that occurs during aging. And that inflammation can contribute to many, many age-related diseases from, you know, um, diabetes to cancer to neurodegenerative diseases, perhaps, we don't know for sure. Um, and basically, uh, you know, it's, it's really a sort of overall inflammation that happens in the body. Um, some of it is affected by your metabolism, um, you know, when you have a nutrient excess, so maybe too much sugar or too much alcohol um, or obesity. And so there is really a multitude of factors that contribute to this chronic inflammation that occurs during aging that we call inflammaging. Well, but, uh, I, okay, we've probably inflammaged, <laughs> you know, and, and our chances of cancer are 50%. But despite these numbers, you actually have some optimistic news to share because I guess a somewhat weakened immune system, which happens with age, can actually be beneficial in cancer treatment. So let's get on to the good news. Right. So, um, you know, we, we have seen in our work, and others have shown the same, is that in older patients with melanoma, um, you know, think about Jimmy Carter. He had melanoma in his brain. He received immunotherapy, which is a, 
new type of therapy that we use that harnesses your own immune system to attack your tumors. Um, and he's doing great. He's still building houses for Habitat for Humanity in his 90s. Um, and, you know, what our research has shown and the research of others, and this is not true for every cancer, it's not true for every immunotherapy either, um, is that there are, when you're younger and you have this hyperactive immune system, you also have things that keep that immune system in check. Um, so, and these, we call them regulatory cells. And so we lose some of those as we age. And so um, our immune system, in a way, when we hyperactivate it with these new therapies, doesn't have that check that comes back and stops the immune cells from, um, you know, talking to the tumor cells anymore. And so, again, you know, this is a, a smaller um, group of patients uh, in which we see that. And we're hoping to better understand the immune system in aging so that we can really harness uh, key things that change during aging to make um, older patients more susceptible to therapies. Wow. Well, that, I mean, that really is encouraging. And thank you for focusing on those of us who are, again, it's a little long of twos because, you know, and I totally understand it, but a lot of research goes in for younger people and all that. But, you know, we want to hang out for a while, too. So it's, it's really wonderful to know you're on it. I thank you. Personally, thank you for that. So, of course, it, I'm not, I can't let you go until we talk a little bit about some of the lifestyle changes we can, we can do and you've got those in your book. They're fairly basic. I mean, we all kind of know it, but I'd love to hear some, some of your thoughts on things that we can do with our own lives to increase our chances for avoiding cancer. Right. So, of course, I work on melanoma, which is skin cancer. And so I'm going to tell you as Memorial Day weekend approaches and everyone heads to the beach to stay out of the sun, wear your sunscreen, and reapply. Um, it's really fun. I tell people all the time that in the summer I lose a lot of friends because they all avoid me during the summer, and then I get to see them again in the winter. <laughs> and they'll say, but I put my sunscreen on. And I say, well, did you reapply every 80 minutes? <laughs> you know? so, um, so we have these constant battles during the summer, and I've come to realize that, you know, <laughs> in the summer my social life really dies down a little. Um, and I, so I will caution people to, you know, things like don't smoke, stay out of the sun, and exercise, 20 to 30 minutes of exercise a day has been shown to really have a positive impact um, on, uh, on the individual and not just, you know, helping to prevent cancer, but also if you already have cancer, helping you um, have a healthier response to therapy in general. Um, cutting out sugar is always a great idea. Um, it, there's many aging-related diseases we can think of, diabetes and cancer, that are dependent on sugar intake. Um, and also, sadly, cutting back on alcohol. <laughs> so everything in moderation is really the key. Well, that, I mean, again, this is not, that part isn't is exceptionally news to me, but it really, I think it deserves to be, you know, respoken by you. And also, I will say, as a, you know, again, a woman of a certain age myself, there's no more fun way to exercise than grab a friend and go for a walk, yeah. you know. Yeah. For, I mean, that, because you get, you get the social aspect of it and you get the exercise and you don't need to kill yourself jogging and no, running and doing perfect. all that. Yeah. yeah, and that, in fact, walking has been shown to be one of, you know, the most effective exercises for the reduction of um, uh, inflammation in general. So it's great. Yay! Steady, low-state exercise. <laughs> 
Well, Dr. Weir, Atna, before you have to leave, and we've only got a couple minutes left, I want to get into something that was very important to you and really made sense to me. You not only are, I mean, highly educated and greatly, you know, successful in your career, but you are an immigrant and a woman. So tell mm-hmm. us about why, how important it is to have different perspectives in cancer research in any yes. other field, actually. Right. So thank you so much for asking that. So I grew up in Africa in a tiny little country in the heart of of completely landlocked by South Africa. And the reason I came to the U.S. for college was because at the time, um, South Africa was an apartheid country. And I knew that, you know, rising to sort of the levels I've been able to rise here at the time was not possible in South Africa as a woman of color. And um, I think that, you know, for me, our groups, and teams of scientists in general in universities all across America are made up of a lot of immigrant scientists as well as American scientists. And it has been fascinating to me to see the way different people approach the same problem, you know. Um, And I think by integrating all of those views is really going to be the answer to understanding cancer, um, as well as other diseases. I think a lot about the story of the six blind men and the elephant. I don't know if you know that story. Um, But, you know, one feels the trunk and says, ah, this animal looks like a snake. And one feels the leg and says, this animal looks like a tree trunk. And one feels the tail and so on. Um, But when they put all of that together, they come up with the elephant. (laughs) So that's what we're trying to do as well. Well, Dr. Weir, I have to say I was looking forward to speaking with you. This has been even better than my expectations. <laughs> well, really, thank you not only for this book, which I will say is a great read. It is not a dry science book. Pick it up because in can- is Cancer Inevitable is an important subject, of course, but the way you wrote it is really a delight. And thank you for giving us your thoughts and your time. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Well, and I do, uh, again, for you listeners out there, please do check out Dr. Weir Atna's book. Again, it's Is Cancer Inevitable? It's going to give you a wealth of information, lots of health-related insights, and a real reason for optimism for us baby boomers. So until next time, this is Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, saying I'll catch you later. Bye-bye.